You are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody. Hope you all had an amazing weekend as we kick it off here on Locked On Browns. For yet another week, uh, you know, we'll take you through Browns news, NFL news, close it out at the end of the week, uh, prepping you for Kansas City, Tampa Bay in the Super Bowl. Uh, Jeff Lloyd at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. The show, Locked On Browns, always a follow back account, as you guys all know. Joined here this evening from Browns Digest through sportsillustrated.com. Mr. Pete Smith at underscore Pete Smith underscore. We're going to uh, talk the big NFL news over the weekend. Uh, just a crazy, crazy trade in uh, the Los Angeles Rams and their thought process of first round picks don't matter, I guess. Uh, we'll get to the wide receiver, Browns wide receiver position year end review. Uh looking at the position going further towards 2021. Uh, Pete, uh, Detroit Lions, Los Angeles Rams, Matthew Stafford, Jared Goff, Detroit getting a whole bunch back in compensation. And I think, Pete, for me, the most ironic thing about this whole deal is that essentially the Rams agreed to this contract extension with Jared Goff, and he's never going to play a down for this franchise under the extension that they gave him. Um, so I enjoy this trade from the standpoint of the fact that there are, there is a team in the NFL willing to do this. So you've got all these different ways of building a team. So obviously you've seen how the Browns have done it. You've seen how teams like the dolphins have done it. Uh, you you see all the different ways, and now you have this other team that has basically said we don't need first round picks or or many draft picks, and we're still you know in contention for a championship. Um, I don't like the deal for the the Rams very much. I, I, I you know they've given up you know four first round picks and something like you know five other picks in all between Goff and Stafford. So I have real questions about you know, their ability to keep this thing going. Um, they don't have much cap space left. They're about to lose players that were very important to them. Um, so it's a big risk. Uh, if they don't work, if this doesn't work out for them, they're going to be the New Jersey Nets after, you know, Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, <laughs> and uh, those guys retired uh, where they don't matter for basically a decade. Um, so if they win the Super Bowl, it pays off and it looks great. Uh for the Lions, you know, I, I don't know where this thing goes with golf. I mean, they, you know, it certainly seems like it's a it's worth trying to see where it can go. Um, I mean, you got him. Uh, you get a whole bunch of picks, which I think works out great for them. Obviously, they're deferred, uh, so you don't get them this year other than a third-round pick. Uh, but you'll have two first-round picks each of the next two years, which is pretty exciting for a team that is starting over. I'm, you know – morbidly curious if they then try to turn flip golf for a pick elsewhere obviously his contract works weird it's got a bunch of roster bonuses so it's not like he's got no money but it's cheaper uh so that's at least 
super interesting from that standpoint. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't think Jared Goff's a, a very good quarterback. He uh, wilts under pressure. He makes bad decisions, throws way too many interceptions uh, and, and fumbles. My God, the fumbles. So, you know, I don't think that goes very far, but I, I totally understand it from the Lions' point of view. I, I, the Rams, are, it's going to be tough. They, 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 they played to win that trade, and we'll see if, they, if that works out for them. But my biggest takeaway from all of this is, is the Browns are sitting here with a quarterback who I think is right now better than both of the quarterbacks involved. They didn't have to give up anything, and they've got plenty of uh, assets to continue building around them. So they're in a pretty pretty good spot. Yeah, watching all these teams have to, you know, basically go through the scramble drill themselves here to figure out how they are going to handle the quarterback position for the 2021 NFL season. Uh, Cleveland just sitting over here, sitting pretty. Uh, obviously, the connection here from Matthew Stafford uh, to Sean McVay is, you know, one of Sean McVay's uh, closest friends within the NFL wide receiver coach is actually the brother-in-law of Matthew Stafford. So that's kind of how you get the connection of this here. Um, Pete, for the Rams, you know, obviously two years ago playing in the Super Bowl against the New England Patriots, Jared Goff didn't play well. And it was funny leading up to the second playoff game for the Rams where they were still talking about, you know, John Wofford and his injury, um, almost as if, you know, if Jared Goff didn't come back and like he did the week before, um, you know, ended up being part of their victory, they were still hoping for maybe, you know, maybe John Wofford to have the ability to play in that playoff game which probably told you everything you know you needed to know about the Rams and their intentions and their thoughts of Jared Goff. Uh, for the Lions, it puts you in a position this year to you know just add talent. Then it puts you in a position for the two drafts following to say, you know, look, we can go home run here. What is it we need? Um, and then maybe you'll talk to you know maybe Green Bay coming back a little bit more to the pack and you're know, having a chance for the Lions uh, maybe to ascend in the NFC North. But Pete, if the Rams don't play for a Super Bowl here in the next year or two, or even win one, I, I you know, I, I don't know what all this was for. Uh, you, you basically are just creating this window, hoping to give yourself a better chance here. Uh, you're still, you know, Green Bay is, you know, still, you know, within this conference. Uh, Tampa Bay, who knows what they'll run out there next year. But for the Rams, this has got to be Super Bowl a bust. There is zero way around this, and it still makes me laugh to know that I believe they they're still paying Todd Gurley somewhere about eight point seven five million dollars or some absurd number like that. Yeah, eight point eight point four million. Um, and again, that's the that's the challenge. Is you know, I think Les Snead is one of the a, a terrible GM when it comes to managing resources. So they've um, done these things, and I, I just don't. You know, it's it. You know, if if it wins, great. Uh, it's it's a Sean McVay's putting a ton of pressure on himself. And I don't know if that's going to work. You know, out for the best. Um, I think. I, well, let's start here. I think the the Mike Silver spin piece for his superhero Jared Goff is a lot of crap. Um, <laughs> I don't think. Uh, I don't think. That that Sean McVay was going into production meetings to trash. That's just stupid. Like that doesn't make any sense. Like you you, you wouldn't do that. Um, Troy Aikman's not blind. He could see that that Jared Goff sucked. He just watched it. 
You know, it, it, it like it didn't take a, a, a genius to show say, uh, show that uh, he was making bad decisions and throwing interceptions and and everything else. Um, like that stuff just drives me nuts. And again, it's like it's another situation where Mike Silver is what he is. He went to Cal. He loves Cal. Jared Goff is basically a superhero for him. It's the same deal as it was with Hugh Jackson, where you have to go. I'm waiting for somebody to show up with the pick. I want somebody to edit the picture where Hugh and Silver were drunk at the table uh, with the mixed drinks and the beers. And for somebody, come on, if you're good with this, slap Jared Goff on Hugh because this is just the way Silver is. This is what he does. So, like, I I, I don't – you know, I I can criticize Sean McVay, but I think that was a a really big stretch of a criticism of Sean McVay. But that doesn't change the fact that Sean McVay has basically put – himself in the crosshairs for if this doesn't work like he becomes that dude and you know I, I think he's okay with that I think he's obviously put him put himself in that position and then they they you know puts more pressure on their draft picks and to his credit I, like again I will criticize Liz Snead for their managing of resources and the, the the heroic amount of draft picks they've given away for basically nothing but they do make picks that work you know, I, I love Cam Akers. Uh, you know, he carried Jerry Goff's rotting carcass most of this. You know, very young rotting carcass. Nevertheless, uh, Cam Akers was great. Like he really changed that offense, uh, and, and and was a really nice player for them. And I think, you know, if you get Stafford and that continues, and and they get these things, then there's a reason to believe in it. Um, but are, are you going to turn around and lose John Johnson? Are you going to turn around and lose Darius Williams, who's a restricted free agent? Uh, you know, people are obviously talking about John Johnson as a particular option for the Browns, which is interesting, but it just, it doesn't change the fact that the Rams would be losing a player that was very helpful to them. Yes. They still have Aaron Donald. Yes. They still have uh, Ramsey, but that doesn't change like the the situation there. That's a lot to, to put on this. So I I can't state enough. I love this from the standpoint of having a team that's willing to do this. I I think that's great for the NFL and it's great to have another way of sort of thinking about how to build a team. There's that part is really, really appealing to me, but I don't love this deal for uh, what the Rams are actually going to do. They they have every opportunity to prove me wrong and the lions could, you know, completely screw up the picks, but I still like the process for what the, the, the Rams are doing. You're really seeing, um, obviously, it's the the distance between Baker Mayfield and Deshaun Watson isn't as drastic to me as Stafford from golf, but it's still two first round picks, which are players, and that's essentially what you were talking about giving up. So it's it's a it's you know it's a fun what if because it's actually going to happen. So you know, good for the league. I, I don't I don't think it's going to work out for the Rams, uh, but the biggest thing they did in this is they made sure that the 49ers didn't get him uh, within their own division, and that certainly is a win for them in the short term. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, there were rumors out there if you know, what everybody was potentially bidding, and it seems like the Rams were far and away, you know, higher than some other teams. You know, who knows the validity, uh, you know, of those reports. Uh, but sometimes if you're going to mark and you're going to say, this is my guy, and, you know, obviously this is the, the flag Sean McVay is planting, so to speak. And, you know, if it doesn't result in the Lombardi, it probably is going to cripple this franchise uh, for years to come. But, you know, hey, I mean, some, you know, some folks, you know, aren't going to shy away from the situation. Uh, if they feel the hand they have is one piece away, you go all in. 
That's what the Rams have done here. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out in 2021. No two people are alike, and no two tax returns are alike either. Thankfully, TurboTax Live has experienced tax experts who are ready to listen to you. Learn about your unique tax situation and help you get the best tax outcome. Maybe you have some questions about your filing status, or maybe you want to hand the whole thing off from start to finish so you can focus on what matters most. Whether you want to file with the help of an expert or let an expert file for you, TurboTax Live experts give you the confidence to know that your your uniquely you taxes are done right. Intuit TurboTax Live. We've been going through on and off here, uh, you know, over the last week or so. We are going through the positional, uh, positional, you know, season end reviews. We've done quarterback, we have done running back. Uh, you know, y'all might want to you know, break out a cold drink here because this one's probably going to get a tad bit spicy as we're going to talk about the wide receiver room. What did we see? We saw Odell Beckham Jr. have a monster performance uh, for Cleveland against the Dallas Cowboys. We then saw Odell Beckham Jr. tear his knee up early in the action, early in the season against Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, we saw you know Jarvis Landry, again, Pete, the heart and soul, the heart and soul of this franchise, apparently thought by many. We got to see Donovan Peoples-Jones in that same Cincinnati Bengal game show a little flash with an opportunity. We got to see Rashard Higgins taking over in that same game. Show what a lot of people who've watched Rashard Higgins believe he's capable of. Uh, we got to see Kaderil Hodge, uh, you know, three separate incidents, whether it was twice with the hamstring, uh, once with COVID, uh, nasty blocker, vicious blocker, and that's a key to this positional group going from across the board is you got to be able to put a body on somebody uh, to help extend these, you know, seven, eight-yard runs to 15, 20, or even to the house. You know, Hodge was a, a solid asset in that point, as was Donovan Peoples-Jones. It picked up for Higgins. Lantry not afraid to get his nose dirty. Uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones with, you know, a little ability in the return game. Hodge, a, you know, quality guy as a gunner and on kickoff. But, Pete, this group, and we've gone over this a little bit, um, they, they, they are playing checkers when they need to be playing Chess and there's it came times after Odell went down for the season where it showed up and it really essentially was not going away. Uh, to open this up, and you know, we've talked about this with several others. You know, why did the tight ends not essentially maybe have the production that they were hoping the tight ends to have because the wide receivers weren't creating the separation or they weren't threading anybody vertically, which didn't allow for Austin Hooper, David Njoku, Harrison Bryant to have nearly the opportunities they were hoping for. Uh, they were certainly hoping to get more out of the running backs in the passing game, although it wasn't a terrible number. Um, but a lot of this was due to a limited wide receiver room. And as far as what they can do, granted, Hodge never really got the opportunity. Donovan Peoples-Jones, it's just the way it was going to go. He was a six-round pick. Sometimes he was forced in opportunities, uh, but they were going to take it slow with him. It was going to be the long game the entire time with Donovan Peoples-Jones. But there comes a time here, Pete, where you can't do this anymore to hinder the growth and development of your quarterback. There is more here to Baker Mayfield. And the only way to achieve that is going to be shaking up this wide receiver room so you can get some more types in here that can mesh with some other things you have here where this offense and this passing game can hit its ultimate goal, 
where they're playing, you know, 40, 50 yard football, not 20 to 25. Okay. So uh, <laughs> buckle up kids. The, Od- the Odell Beckham thing is interesting. Uh, it really sounds like the Browns are, are, are into it. Um, I, it's tough. Like I totally understand the skepticism people have. Like, how can you not? You know, even when he played, it wasn't a good year because he was dinged up. Uh, and then you had this this the start of this past year, which was just clunky. Um, and and it gives people, you know, look. I, I obviously I don't think um, that Baker Mayfield was better without Odell Beckham, but just the weird timing of everything just made it like lend itself credibility. Um, so I, I, I totally understand both those things. So if you can get Odell Beckham and he's back, I, I, he has to take a pay cut. He just has to, he cannot make $15.75 million this year. That's insane. Um, he and he and Landry are right now scheduled to make $30.5 million between them. That's of the top two salaries on the team followed by Sheldon Richardson. That, you know, that makes up basically a quarter of your salary cap. None of those guys can make as much money as they're making right now. When it comes to Jarvis Landry, um, I, I don't think he fits where this offense is going. Um, I, I, I've watched for three years, um, two of which were mediocre for him, um, and it made more sense when he got here when they had you know Josh Gordon and Corey Coleman and he was the slow guy and a bunch of fast guys. Um, and trying to sort of salvage that receiver room on top of everything else. But since the offense changed and they went with this two tight end set, he's basically another tight end on the field. And that's tough to really make this offense work. You're, you're really limited to trying to create space laterally because you can't go vertically. And the, the question I always have with people is, you know, if you can add speed in the offseason, um, but it, if, if, you, if you still go into next season, it's Beckham, Landry, and two tight ends as your initial offense, how much faster did we actually get? Uh, that becomes a problem for me, and I, and I don't trust that, that this, even if they negotiate his salary down, that they're going to put him on the bench uh, in favor of somebody who's faster. I also worry that because of the way the salary cap is in this pandemic year where you have so much more money or so much less money to work with, that maybe the market will dictate that it makes more sense for Mashard Higgins to come back on another cheap deal. I fear that we're going to get to a point where it's going to be Landry or Higgins uh, because if they add speed, that guy's going to be the third receiver. We already saw this play out. Higgins was the fourth mm-hmm. guy until he had to play. So, you know, that that's a, another issue. And, again, I, I, from week seven, when Higgins fully went to the lineup, to through the playoffs, Higgins was more productive than Jarvis Landry. Period. Like he had more yards, just on way fewer uh, targets. That's concerning to me. He also works a deeper, intermediate part of the field, away from the tight ends. And Landry's uh, yards per target, or whatever, or the uh, average depth of target is eight yards, which is right where the tight ends were. Higgins was fourteen. So that's an issue for me. Um, but overall, it, it just. To me, it, it, it's entirely about Baker Mayfield. What is best for Baker Mayfield? Getting more players that can stretch the field. And when you have uh, these tight ends, when you have maybe hopefully you know a healthy, great Odell Beckham, I think you need somebody on the other side. It's not just about what Odell Beckham frees up. It's what somebody else can free up for Odell Beckham, uh, which I thought was a problem when he was when he was healthy. 
is that they would account for him going deep, but then he'd run short and there'd be no space for those yards after the catch type receptions, which created its own problem. Like, uh, so, uh, you know, I think from a cost perspective, it makes, makes way more sense to trade Landry if possible, uh, save $13.3 million of cap space, which they could then spend elsewhere. Uh, Resigned Higgins uh, for about $5 million for, for a year or two who can fill in that number two spot and then draft more help and sign more help that fits that, that role. Again, I like Brashard Perryman. I think he's going to cost nothing. Hell, PFF stole my idea. Uh, and they said, yes, they you know, did. They had him as like the number one. He was top of their list of like these cheap buy type free agent thing, which makes all this like, and he obviously has played with Mayfield. He excelled with Mayfield and, and, and all that. So there's just a reason that would make sense. But I just think in Mayfield's accuracy down the field, he's great down the field. And it's, it's, you know, it's a crime against football that we don't have the ability to have him go down the field more often. They had one play that went over uh, 50 yards this year on a re- or more than 43 yards on a reception this entire season. Donovan Peoples-Jones uh, against the Tennessee Titans when he was wide open. They need more of those cheap, uh, easy scores. They need more ability to go. Yeah, they need fast break points. They need the ability to 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 put people down. Uh, I, I go back to that Steelers playoff game. I think there was absolutely a time when there was a lull for about a quarter and a half where had they had somebody to go down the field, they would have gone for the kill uh, and, and not allowed that game to continue the way it was. And at least it would have forced the defense to back off and created more running room. I think the way defenses are able to play the Browns right now is a problem because they can sit everybody up and take away the options. Obviously, the Chiefs game is a nightmare if you're if you're a big Landry fan because he was awful in it. So there's just a lot of things that I think need to change. You know, now I fully appreciate that I I I I'm prepared for the Browns to bring back Landry uh, and, and disappoint me greatly in that fashion, but. <laughs> The the thing I would caution anyone on is the Browns estimated are going to have like twenty four point eight million I think or twenty four point six whatever and that's a very generous estimate it may be lower than that but they can't afford to spend it because they need to that carry that that rollover cap the next year to be able to keep this train going to keep guys like Wyatt Teller even when they have a bounce back of the cap they still their their whole scheme. Is like that, you know, is like the sub sub mortgage crisis type deal. Like they're betting against the the margins on this thing to keep this thing going. So they can't really spend it. So basically, there are about four contracts on this team, by my math, that have to come down, whether that means they're gone or they're just reduced. Uh, Beckham, Landry, Sheldon Richardson, and Case Keenum. There are any number of ways to deal with it. But that is, to me right now, that is going to be your spending cash for this offseason. So if you want a John Johnson, if you want, you know, you know, Trey Hendrickson, if you want, you know, to trade for a J.J. Watt, uh, his $17.5 million salary would, will never stay that high. He, he knows he has to re- restructure if he wants to win the Super Bowl. But if you want to spend to bring in a, a premium asset to this team in one way or another, you have to cut costs somewhere. Those are the four contracts that, Stand out as the ones you're going to have to get money. It's just a question of how much money you want. But my biggest issue with Landry isn't so much the money, although that is a problem. It's I can't get faster if he's on the field. That's where it sort of gets in the way. And I don't know 
Like, I, I think that's a bigger issue than, than what people will say. And, I, and I'll say what I, what I have tweeted out. Hate me for wanting to get rid of Landry before you wait another year and you hate Landry because we didn't get rid of him and you're sitting there going, oh, my God, he is screwing our offense and we can't go down the field and this is the reason why. That's sort of I, – I, I'm happy to take those uh, bullets, punches, however, because I think that's ultimately what's going to happen is we're going to have another year where he's not very good at this offense. Even if you know he's better than 840 yards, you're going to sit there going, what, what are we doing? Like – Anyone with the ball in their hands is better than him for what we want to do, including you know a guy like David Njoku. So that's sort of where I'm at. I'm really excited about Donovan Peoples-Jones. I think people need to be a little more cautious than they have been in terms of talking. Well, he can come in and be the number two receiver. Whoa, he can be a, he can be a nice asset. Let him grow as he as he's sort of prepared to do. Uh, but that's don't, an assumption, and it's way too early to make it. Yeah, don't don't force him into something he's not ready for. Part of the reason the Browns were so effective with their rookies this year is, save for Jedrick Wills, they didn't force them to really do anything. They sort of allowed them to to nope. to grow at their own rate and and play them as they were. This particularly prevalent with Harrison Bryant, who who had his has has had some really nice games, but he also sort of disappeared at the end of the season. Some of that was COVID. Some of that was seemingly hitting a rookie wall at the same time. While Njoku played a whole lot better. But whether it's Donovan Peoples-Jones or some of these other guys, you know, they are still very young players and they're not ready for that quite kind of spotlight yet. So I like where the team's going. I, I just think they can can do more to uh, make Mayfield better. And, and the biggest, you know, the, the ultimate thing for me is I think Mayfield is better than most people do. And that's the thing is like, if you hold him back, you're you're gonna you may miss the opportunity to be very very special, and you're never gonna forgive the players or uh, people involved that that sort of miss out on that uh, out on that uh, opportunity to get the Super Bowl. Uh, and this is part of the issue, and you know this is probably prevalent with everybody with the Deshaun Watson for Baker Mayfield, blah 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 blah, and they go to numbers. Okay, Baker Mayfield, um, the way this offense is currently structured at the wide receiver position. He's not going to be a 4,000-yard passer. He just doesn't get the freebies that you know some of these other quarterbacks get. Tom Brady with Mike Evans. Patrick Mahomes, obviously with Tyree Kill. Uh, you know, Drew Brees when things were humming in New Orleans with Michael Thomas. You, you're not getting these huge, big chunk plays. And where you're doing a disservice to your quarterback, who certainly has the arm strength and is capable of hitting these throws, is you're now almost requiring perfection. He can't throw an interception because he has no way to combat it and come back and get a 60-yard flip the script off the interception, whatever. It's in the rearview mirror now. Game's tied. What it's done is done. He's just hamstrung in what he can do, and he just doesn't have enough verticality to work with. And as we spoke about, P.I. said it, Pete said it, when you have these tight ends running 8- to 10-yard routes, and that's the same area where Jarvis Landry excels. Well, we're just playing left to right. We're not playing north and south, which you know hinders everything. Not to mention that it can open up the speed game even that much more as well, too. So it's – I mean, I'm sorry, the running game that much more, too, because when you're going to have a safety running 50 yards downfield because he knows that this guy is a vertical threat and he knows Baker Mayfield's capable of it and doesn't get his head turned around to the running back's 15 yards down the field – it's limitations. You essentially have a governor 
on Baker Mayfield. And it puts him in such a tough spot where it's either throw the ball away, don't turn it over, take a sack. You can't take a chance because you don't have these guys where you can throw it 55 yards down the field and it turns out to be a contestant interception. Well, it worked out just as a punt. Let it fly. It's just putting him in a bad situation and it's putting this offense in a bad situation where you were not able to play the 100-yard field. No negativity, no calling names, just telling it like it is. When you get to a little bit more here, it feels weird because normally, you know, this time of year, Browns-wise, we're talking about assistant coaches, all these moves, and I'm watching all my other, you know, contemporaries here at Locked On. These episodes, this, that, and Browns-wise, another day went by. Uh, you know, had some guys down at the Senior Bowl. Quiet's good, folks. Quiet's really, really good. The Hill Bar is even deliciouser. 16 amazing flavors, including nut and non-nut brownies. That's actually 18. Caramel, brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, apple almond crisp. Six of your new flavors. Bill Bar is great for the health-conscious guy or gal. Lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber. They are great with the keto diet. The flavor profile for your cookies and cream bar, 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams net carb. Go to BillBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKDOWN, all caps, no space, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Again, that promo code LOCKDOWN for 20% off at BillBar.com. Are we ready for some football? Only one NFL game remains this year. Super Bowl Sunday, Kansas City Chiefs, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. There's only one place wager-wise that has you covered and one place we trust, betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use that promo code LOCKDOWN for your 50% welcome bonus. It's not just NFL. NBA, NHL, NCAA basketball, anything you want, they got you covered. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action, and don't forget to use that promo code LOCKDOWN to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sports book experts. Pete, you know, again now, it's just, it's been so refreshing. Not chasing down seven guys for a coordinator position, not, oh, my God, please don't hire this guy to coach the running backs. It's it's so eerily and relatively quiet. But after what this team was able to do this year, and free agency will change that. Draft is certainly going to change that. Uh, it, it's It'll start coming soon once the new league year begins. But, Pete, this is fantastic that what this team was able to do in 2020 – we're going to see a good amount of continuity heading into 20 and 21 and watching all this other stuff go down with all these other teams and just basically sitting here with the nail file going, oh, that's a shame. Good luck with that. Let's see how that works out. And almost to the point of let's get free agency, let's get the draft, and can we start running it back to running it forward to August already? Well, it's, it's going faster than it normally would because obviously the Browns played longer and we're already through the senior bowl, which like that feels super, super fast to me. Um, and obviously in a normal year, we're not far off from the combine. It'd be like, you know, two weeks. 
Um, obviously, mm-hmm. that's that's going to be different. But the fact that the Browns aren't changing coaches feels great, and and it's the same thing. It's like, you know, just sort of looking at what's going on in the rest of the division. The Bengals hired a bunch of coaches. You know, they still have uh, Zach Zach uh, Zach Taylor, who sucks. So it's like Hugh Jackson going to year three. The Ravens yeah, have James Rapian. James, we know, we know you can't stand him. Yeah, it's awful. I mean, I, I, that's it's Hugh Jackson into year three was like the worst feeling I've ever had with a football team. <laughs> um, it's you know you have the Ravens who who are dealing with a bunch of issues um, from all their pass rushers are free agents to Lamar Jackson regressed this year to the head coach defending. The idea that uh, that it'll be difficult to sell receivers on playing in Baltimore to now, you know, or, or uh, Zeus Jr. says he's a left tackle uh, in the last year of his contract, and they have a left tackle. Um, that may not that's, really matter too much. That's smart but, on his part. Yeah, that may not matter a ton this year, but it's just one more thing. And then the Steelers, Steelers are just awful. And, and you've got Ben Roethlisberger talking to to fans like they're idiots, saying money doesn't matter. Uh, when money clearly matters, um, and the Browns are just sitting here hanging out, otherwise going, yeah, be coming back. <laughs> yeah, things are going pretty good uh, for the Browns. They don't have to actually do really anything now. They have a bunch of decisions they'll have to make in in March, and maybe they make some of those earlier than that. But you know, they're in a position where things are steady, and now it's just how do we get to the Super Bowl? I mean, that's that's a fun question to have to answer. How do we how do we go from here to competing for the Super Bowl? So, you know, the draft is obviously critically important as is free agency and all those things, but uh, it's not a bad place to, to have a quiet office. And hopefully it stays that way, not just from a, a uh, organizational doing stuff standpoint, but also from a, we don't get any uh, headlines or tweets or anything about so-and-so is in trouble with, uh, you know, various law enforcement capacity for doing something incredibly stupid. So fingers crossed it stays that way uh, as as we keep going. But it's already February. Like, you know, obviously the Super Bowl is this week. Um, and then, you know, we're officially done with the year. But it, it, you know, the draft is, you know, less than three months. It's good times. Uh, you know, and for, you know, all we've you know gone through the last couple of years, you know, who is Joe Woods? Uh, you know, we knew Andrew Barry. Uh, you know, who's coming in to coach here? Who's this guy? You know, where did he get his start? Uh, you know, why did they choose this guy as opposed to maybe that guy? What's the history between this guy to you know new head coach? Oh, wait a minute, no, he's actually the GM's guy. Oh no, this could be a problem. And there's just simply none of that right now. Uh, which I mean, you just take a deep breath. Uh, you're thankful for it. Um, because you know you got a good thing going, and you know again with you know Pete sentiments on you know obviously the off season, uh, you know knock on wood, hope these guys you know think you know smartly and safely with the decisions they make in this off season. You know hopefully for right now they're adhering to you know COVID restrictions as far as you know you're not really supposed to be out and about. Uh, so please take that uh, into uh, account and in any decisions you're making, guys, because you know. Last thing, uh, you know, one thing that can certainly screw up an offseason would be, you know, something of that and have to make a move pending on someone's legal status, which no franchise wants to have to put themselves through. He is Pete Smith, part of Browns Digest. I'm sorry, running Browns Digest through SI.com. Pete and his team are doing a fantastic job over there. Uh, the content comes day in, day out. Uh, these guys really put their effort into it and give you a solid read every single time. Make sure you're checking out Browns Digest 
uh, over at sportsillustrated.com. Make sure you're following Pete at underscore Pete Smith underscore show itself at Locked On Browns. Follow back account. Me personally at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. iTunes, Spotify, subscribe, rate, review as today here. We went through uh, the Stafford Goff trade uh, wide receiver year end uh, review. Uh, We'll start penciling in some names here soon enough of guys that we can think and probably help out in that. And the fact that, you know, it's kind of quiet right now. And that's usually where the good teams are in this point of the offseason. And if you're not playing for the Lombardi, it's not really much going on around it because things are good and you're not really ready to rock that boat just yet. This has been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. LGB on the LOB. Let's go Browns.